0: Praise be to my children. I love you. Oh, oh God, oh man, what? Is this your shortest fight ever? In any time, amateur, professional, ever? Assalamu alaikum, Um, I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah, Lennox Lewis, Lennox, I'm coming for you. Mike, is it frustrating to train like you did and then have no, this in seven I didn't or eight train seconds? For this fight. I only trained probably two weeks or three weeks for this fight. I had to bury my best friend. and welcome back to the number one podcast in the sport where i think frank warren had a show and no one particularly cared Uh, it seems like we're, we're back to the bad old days of you know frank just throwing out shows assuming that we will watch anything he puts out when in truth there wasn't anything there for us to watch but we'll come on to that later um this will be a quick one simply because I can't sit for long. Um injured myself in the gym last week. Not the cleverest thing I've ever done. Um not not fatal, just praying that I haven't ruptured one of my testicles if I'm being brutally honest because if I have done then that's awkward. But apart from that fine, just can't sit, can't move suddenly, can't squat. You know, you can't can't be me is the way to describe it. So we're just hoping for the best at the moment. That all the swelling and the carnage in my midsection go down. And we'll take it from there. But yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell. It also means that I'm not sure if I'll be there on Saturday. For no other reason than I can't sit for extended periods of time. So what's the point in being there? And you know, I don't want to be there in pain and discomfort. So I'm just going to see where I am tomorrow evening. Uh, which will be Tuesday because this is Monday Mass. And we'll go from there. To be honest with you. No, everyone's kind of been through setbacks and obstacles, but hey, it's life, man. We just, we keep it moving. If I'm at home, it means I can watch both broadcasts, to Zone and Sky. If I'm there, it means I get to see everyone. It looks like there's going to be a load of people going, so I do want to go, and I'm sort of 80, 20, like I'll do whatever it takes to get there. But let's talk about what's happening in the world of boxing. I think the, the, the most relevant news right now is that We finally get Joshua Bartzi versus Craig Richards. And this is a fight that could have happened any point in the last five years. Let's be brutally honest, it could have happened any time. And there are people online who will tell you this fight's two, three, four, five years too late. Not necessarily, because neither man's declined. So, we're getting a better fight from two more mature men, two more experienced men, and hopefully, with the input of Virgil Hunter, a better skilled Joshua Bartzi, right? That's the hope. That's the aim. But I always look at these sorts of fights and I try and find historical parallels to this. And I think maybe I've said this before. Maybe I should have done. It reminds me of Antonio Tarver versus Roy Jones. You know, one vastly more decorated operator against a guy who believed he was equally as talented just never had the lucky breaks. And I think that's what you're going to get with Craig and Josh. Look at it like this. If Craig Richards boxed for the Solly up in Liverpool, if he boxed for Everton Red Triangle, if he boxed for Sheffield Boxing Centre, if he boxed for the Phoenix up in Nottingham, if he boxed for Empire down in Bristol, if he boxed for St. Agnes down in Cornwall, any one of those clubs, Craig's an ABA finalist, right? If he boxed for Birtley, ABA finalist, just on what Craig could do. It's just that he was in the same mix as guys like Josh, Andre Sterling and so forth. And that's just to get out the Southeast Divs. That's not even trying to get out of London. And also bear in mind, Craig came to the sport later than Josh. A lot of people don't understand that Josh and Larone were juniors together. They did the schoolboys together. Year after year, those guys did the schoolboys and they found it easy. Number of reasons for that. Number one, they were talented. Number two, they matured before everyone else physically. So they always had that advantage. So Josh is, I don't want to say a lifelong boxer, but he's been in the sport, you're talking at least 15 years. Craig doesn't have that. Craig came to the sport relatively late and he boxed for, it was Palmer's if I remember correctly, and Terry Palmer doesn't get the respect he deserves for a lot of the good stuff he's done in, in Southeast London boxing. So, always have to just tip my hat off to Terry Palmer for, I mean, some of the work he's done. I know guys like Javan Young have been through his gym, um, but I was for in the, the later days of his career, who else was there? J- John Palata, obviously Craig was there. Uh, Big Paul was there. there. There were a load of really good kids that came out of there. And Craig was one of them, but Craig was one of the quieter ones. And actually what's impressive with Craig is how quickly he accelerated and he's He's become the professional no one thought he would. So he's you know in football you have your your XG, right? your expected goals. Craig's the equivalent of having the expected goals of like 1.1, and then actual goals were like seven or eight, and you're like, "Wow, where did that come from?" And it came from the thing that and I say all boxers should possess this: consistency. Shop for every training session, don't get injured. Don't be reckless and apply everything you're learning because boxing just rewards the accumulation of volume. It just rewards repetition. Boxing rewards the boring stuff, not the 5,000 hit combos on the pads, not the flashy stuff you see on Instagram now. Boxing won't won't reward you for that. What it will reward you for is doing seven rounds of just jabbing. It will reward you for going for a three-mile run, then doing your training session. So you understand what it's like to be technically sound when you're fatigued. All of these small things that are really important that fans don't get to see are the things that take you over the top. And that Craig's done that. And remember, he's done that against the odds. Because there was a point where Craig was on matchroom to be cannon fodder. So despite all the obstacles put in Craig's way, the Bullionis and the Sugdens and the Stand the third. You know, Craig's always delivered. And where he hasn't won, he's always looked good in defeat. And so he's kept money in the brand. And that kind of brings him to where he is now, where he now needs that thing, that, that fight, that definitive fight, that thing, whatever you want to define it as, that says, I'm the man right now. And that's the part that he's got to be on. Because when you contrast the Craig journey, which is, you know, from relative anonymity when we're talking about the general boxing public, to someone like Josh, where Josh came up, what was it, South in Victory? And, you know, he was, he was probably lucky, not lucky, but it's a blessing to have a guy like Dwayne Sinclair there, because Dwayne was the older, wiser head, similar weight class. So Dwayne had an interesting rivalry with a friend of mine, Javan Young. At 81 kilos, which was the weight Josh ended up being successful at. So it's always good to have that experience in the gym around you. And you can, you can go back to the archives and have a look. And you know Josh was... He was with, he, his, his amateur career is win some, lose some, right? So he's, he's lost to guys like Scott Forrest, who's now signed to Boxer, which kind of shows you all you know, how different the timings are. He's also beaten Jack Massey. And you know what Jack Massey's gone on to do. Now, if you look at it at the top level, he beat the Dutch guy. And I always forget what else. I was going to say Peter van den Hoogenband, but he's a swimmer. Um, he beat the Dutch guy that Ben Whittaker then went on to, to make meat out of as well, which was the indicator that Ben might be something special. Uh, but he also lost to uh, De La Cruz, the Cuban guy. So you look at his amateur career and it's okay. And it's not necessarily spectacular, but it's like hmm, he's good. And that Olympic bronze that he got, that was a hell of an achievement. So once he, how do I put it by the time you get to 2016, Josh has had all of the inputs, two-time ABA champion. Um been in there from from junior onwards, been in multiple finals, boxed in tournaments here, there, and everywhere. He's experienced. And something happened in the pros that no one can explain and it all seemed to just slow down. It didn't accelerate like you'd expect it to. Like it did with Shakur Stevenson. Like it did with Teofimo Lopez. And despite the initial setback, like it's happening with Robesley Ramirez. So Josh never kicked on. Never, never made that step up. Never, you can't say dare to be great. Not even that. He, he, he didn't act like a man in a hurry which is fine because, well, it was the early to mid-20s at that point. But he didn't indicate that he wanted to keep pace with your Kors and these, per- these people, those people, the, you know, the Tony Yokers, the Joe Joyces who were out there taking risks early on in their career. Look at their CVs. Instead, Josh is fighting guys like Tony Avaland, Liam Conroy, uh, and Reynolds Quinlan for all four. You know I mean? And these aren't names that Craig would have been allowed to fight. These aren't names that would have been risky enough for Craig to to be encouraged to take on. So you look at it and go, so where's the development since he turned pro, which is about five years now. Where's the development? Number one. Number two, where's the guidance? Who was there telling him, mate, you might be doing things the wrong way here. Because all that time he was taking these soft touches, and they were soft touches because a lot of guys got pulled up from middleweight and super middle to fight Josh at 175 all the time you're taking these soft touches and the fans are calling for you to fight yard. And Frank was saying we can make that fight happen and Eddie was saying we're not going to do it. All of those times, all of those iterations and those repetitions and all those times we were disappointed, Craig was closing the gap. Craig was closing the gap. He was learning to fight on the big stage. He was learning to fight at short notice. He was learning to fight under pressure. He was closing that gap. Had the team advising Josh been smart, they would have taken the yard fight and the Richards fight early when he had the advantage. But now look at those two. So much adversity, overcome so many setbacks collectively between the two of them, that you look at them as being the top guys in the division, plus Callum Johnson they're the guys you look at and go, the next three or four years, we expect those two to be fighting for world championships. And Josh has allowed himself to become irrelevant. So that's what makes this fight really, really interesting. Because Craig is going to tell us how good Josh is. Craig is going to tell us whether Josh was just a guy who had some physical maturity over his opponents in the amateurs and was able to make that tell. Or whether... He's the real deal because how he deals with Craig will indicate that because we will then be able to benchmark his performance against Bivol's performance. Yes, you're dealing with two different animals, but you're dealing with two elite-level amateurs. Don't forget, people talk about Joshua Bartzi boxing for GB in 2016. He tried for Ghana in 2012 along with Lerone Richards. They tried for Ghana, and I don't know what happened. Clearly, they didn't qualify. That's one thing we know for certain. But they tried. So this isn't like, you know, we're talking 10 years ago. So, so, you know, you have to start looking critically and saying if you can't get rid of Craig Richards, there are questions to answer. What are the key variables in this fight? In my opinion, can Joshua Bartzi box a 12 round? Can he be himself in that ring for 12 rounds? Because Craig has shown that he can. Can, Je- can Josh show he's got a chin? Because Craig has shown he can. Can Josh go through the camp without getting injured? Because Craig has shown he can. And from Craig's perspective, if he can nullify the body attack from Josh, with little right uppercuts, little just little chopping left hooks as well, if the, those shots there, if he can do that and start to slow Josh down and take it into the later rounds, ah, uh, There might be a stoppage winning it for Craig. And if there is, let us all hear about the Yard fight. Let's resolve this generation once and for all. Yeah. As much as I love Dan, he is probably two fights away from banging on that door. And I love Dan to bits. Dan's got to deal with Matthew Tinker. I think if he deals with Tinker and maybe Lyndon Arthur... Then you say, well, actually, put Dan in with the winner of Yard versus Richards or Boatsy, whoever wins that. And that's when British boxing gets exciting. We should have that commitment. Now, I'd love it if Ben Shalom would come out and say, look, Dan's won this fight or Matthew Tinker's won. Can we get the fight with Lyndon Arthur? And the winner of that should fight the winner of Craig Richards versus Joshua Boatsy. Souls, everything. The fans get what they want. They get that one person they can get behind. And they get a hell of a lot of entertaining fights. Between guys who know each other. Guys who came up together. Guys who grew up together. And as boxing fans that's what we want. We want real stories. Not manufactured stories. Because then we know the emotions are real. We know the hug at the end is real. We know the talk at the press conference is real. But without those authentic backstories, we leave it to Eddie to start overselling and overspinning. And we don't want that. This is a fight that boxing fans should be encouraging their casual friends to watch. Like, if you want someone to really fall in love with boxing, it's going to be these two. None of these guys run around the edge of the ring. None, you know, There's no singing. There's no dancing. They're both guys who are in there to do as much damage as they can. And... What you will find in this fight is Craig Richards is a far more dangerous man than people realize. I don't think he needs any more motivation than to establish himself as London's best light heavyweight. And and privately, Craig will tell you he's looking at world level, but he understands that this fight is probably more important to his day-to-day legacy than becoming world champion is to his global legacy, if that makes sense. But what I will say, guys, is get behind this fight. You know, we give Eddie stick a lot of the time. We, we moan about what Eddie does. We moan about how he does it. We moan about all these things that Eddie Hearn does. And all of a sudden, Eddie's just had this cue to what he's just delivering. And no matter what you think about the relative strengths and weaknesses of Josh Warrington versus Kiko Martinez, that feels like a competitive fight. The card feels like a competitive card. And, you know, hot on the heels of Lee Wood versus Michael Conlon is good momentum for Eddie. And then, I mean, if this takes us into May and then, you know, there's the energy saying that you're going to get the Joshua Usyk rematch. It will be a reasonable, you'll have to give him Q2 over Sky and over the others. Because Sky definitely owned Q1 and Frank is still, you know, trying to find his running spikes because everyone else has seemed to run off and leave him behind. But no, get behind that fight. Let's Let's be excited because we want more of this. And, you know, when Uma Ahmed and this person, that person interview Frank, all I want to hear Frank say is Yard is happy to fight the winner of that after he's dealt with his world title situation. Obviously, all of this puts Frank in a pickle because that's meant to be the same night as Demetrius Andrade versus Zach Parker. A fight to me that still doesn't make sense because, as I maintain, there was no honor in saying we'll give Darryl Williams a rematch. They took their gift of a decision and ran. You know, we talk about boxing corruption and we talk about Cattrall versus Taylor. At least with Taylor, Taylor was coming back into the fight. Like, Daryl Williams beat up Zach Parker. Like, just dominated him. And the judges just said, no, we ain't going to give it to you. So for me, Zach versus Demetrius Andre, I don't care about. Never will. Um, Two guys whose careers are going nowhere. Andre's been kind of I don't know, man. He's been surfing around the edge of the plug hole since 2009, and no one's asked him to come in yet. So he's still out there waiting for his big break. And I just have a feeling he will—he will he'll leave the sport as he arrived. Irrelevant. Feel the same about Zach Parker as well. But someone, someone wants him to do well. So good luck to them. But I have a feeling now that the 21st has been announced for Boatsy versus Richards. That's gonna be a hard sell and to be a hard watch on on BT Sport. To be honest with you, people just stream it. They'll stream to zone or they'll do what they normally do, just double screen it. But it's a shame for Frank because Frank locked the date in first, and Eddie just went, "Nah, we're gonna take over that one." And this is the problem. Like until we get a a consistent and a harmonised calendar, we're gonna get these messes every so often which contrasts with UFC, right? The UFC tell you what dates they're going to do and that there don't seem to be many conflicts with Bellator or, or I don't even know who's still doing it anymore, Strike Force. And that makes a lot of sense because it keeps it keeps the money in everyone's pockets. But who would you want to watch? Craig Richards versus Josh Boasin, a legitimate British duster, or Zach Parker versus Demetrius Andre, two guys you, you didn't care about till they try to force you to care about them. I, I I will happily swerve that that Queensbury show. Unfortunately, I don't like saying that because you know, normally I'd like to do it, but you know you got to prioritize the fight that's most important in the sport. So I guess another situation where Eddie Hearn wins again. It'll be interesting to hear you know Uma slash Coogan ask him about the date and why that was chosen. But you guys know I couldn't just praise Eddie without criticizing him again. So he's making noises now about wanting to make Andy Ruiz versus Derek Chisora. Well, so I have a rough idea of what Chisora earns with the zone, right? Or slash match room, I should say. They can't afford Andy Ruiz. They'd have to pay Andy Ruiz multiples of what they paid Derek. So it's one of these fights again, that won't happen. Right. And what you'll hear very soon is Eddie will say, look, we're trying to make the Ruiz fight but PBC are asking for ridiculous amounts of money. No, they're not. They're just asking for what Ruiz is getting fighting in America. The problem is that he doesn't want to pay that money. He wants to get Andy Ruiz in on the cheap so he can boost his subscriber base without spending that much money. Because what they don't tell you is the reins are being kept super tight now on what Matchroom do. I can't explain it any other way than to say you know, it's like any business. You've got to go with a business case now, right? And it gets scrutinized and it's like, right, do we want to spend this much money on these fights? Canelo you kind of do because Canelo speaks for itself, right? That's a, yeah, as blue-chip a prospect as you're going to get, not even a prospect, blue-chip an asset as you're going to get. And it's the same with Joshua. But everyone else, you're having to tap dance for the king right now. And I don't think they want to pay that much money for Chisora and they want to pay that much money for Ruiz because it's a fight that goes nowhere. If I'm being honest, I'd quite like to see the fight. I think it will be entertaining. I think it will be fun. You've got two tough men who aren't the most mobile. So it will be as close to a slugfest as you're going to get. But here's the thing. If Eddie's serious about making the fight and he believes he's got the biggest platform in the world, pay the money, make the fight. That's all we want to hear now, right? Just don't tell us what fights you're making. Tell us what fights are signed. That's what was good about the Botsey Richards thing. There wasn't too much talk about it. It was just right. May 21st. Make sure you're ready. Craig and Josh will fight each other, and I love that. Let's just talk about the Middle East now. Yeah, God, I sound like Trevor McDonald, but not in that way. So Pro Bellum have two shows, right? They have a show on the Friday, and Estelle Mosley wins. Fantastic. I mean, she's talking about fighting Katie Taylor, but she's not keeping in the same company as Katie Taylor right now. You know, Estelle Mosley has to start fighting people like your Natasha Jonas's, your Terry Harpers. To validate her claim for that. Because you know she's quite rightly. She's had time off to, to, be, to be a mum twice. You know, so her career has kind of been stop start. But we want to see how good she is in the pro game. I don't know if we will. It might, just, it might just be that the pro box is a platform for her non-boxing interests. And she's probably making more money doing those. So she's happy doing what she's doing. So you have a show on the Friday. Then you have a show on the Saturday. And Sonny Edwards headlines fighting. To be fair a guy I have no idea. Well, don't care, don't know him. But I quite liked watching that version of Sonny. I don't know if it was the opponent. I don't know if it's the criticism that's got to Sonny, but he fought angry for the first time that I've seen him. Fought angry. There was a a lot of spite in that, and I thought, I quite like this version of Sonny. If we can get this version of Sonny, who, who wants to make you look stupid, and then wants to hurt you as well, he may not be the hardest hitter. Don't mind that comfortable that as long as he's making that conscious attempt to to hurt you, to take your head off I'm like, okay, cool and so from the bits I saw of the Sonny Edwards fight I, did, I nodded my head in agreement and said yeah, Qu- quite like this performance you know, long may this continue so let's see what happens next but the rest of the card I have no idea about Regis Progre stopped Tyrone McKenna um, would quite like to see Progre against someone like O'Hara Davis like, I'm not one of these guys that believes Progre is this amazing boxing genius. I, I think we're basing that off, off an Ndongo fight, where we realize Ndongo is made of papier-mâché. So put him in with someone like OD and let's see if he can cope with that. Because I think that's quite a competitive fight, to be honest with you. Or put him in with Jack Cattrall and make it for a belt. I don't see why we can't do that. And then the winners of those can fight whoever wins between Teofimo Lopez and whoever they... They set him up to look good against. But the thing I wanted to really talk about was a fight that followed all of this. And it was half Thor. Is it Hafthor? Is it half Thor? Or Hapthor? I don't even know. I don't care. But, I mean, you had Thor versus Eddie Hall. And it comes down to this point. I want to be brutally honest. Can you imagine I showed up at World's Strongest Man? I don't know, me, uh, Porky, Danny Watley, Martin Theobald, you know, Craig Scott. I don't know, man. Let, let, let's, let's be diverse. Ellie Scottney, Guy um, Nicholson in the Ebony Bridges, Dave Allen. All of us show up at World's Strongest Man. And we're just lifting 10 kilo Atlas Stones. And we're telling you we're strong men, strong women. How demeaning would that be for the people who are lifting like 180 kilo atlas stones? They'd laugh at you and go, this isn't serious, right? You can't go and disrespect world's strongest man because they'll look at you and go, mate, pull that truck. Yeah, pull that truck. And after your spine gives up on you and your hips are in five different places and all this, you realize <laughs> there's a reason why these guys do what they do. There's a reason why these guys are elite at what they do. There's a reason why Brian Shaw is six foot eight, wherever he is, and 400 pounds. There are are reasons why. You don't have that in boxing. And the reason is boxing's a scalable sport. Right? I can put a no bouter in with a no bouter. And the sport won't allow me to put a no-bouter in with a 10-bouter. So it's scalable. So once you get to 10 bouts, you'll fight another guy of roughly similar experience and ability. So everyone can claim to be a boxer because you can scale it to the point where there's a fight that's safe enough for you. And that's what these two clowns did. And they're clowns in a boxing context, not in terms of being strongmen. I think you know they're freaks of nature. They've... They've taken strongmen to a whole new audience and to a whole new level. And kudos to them because they've brought in their appeal far beyond the sport, which is essentially just a sport for me as and gym rats. But when it comes to boxing, they disrespected our sport. I'm tired of hearing this thing of it brings new eyes to the, to the sport. It doesn't. It doesn't. There's no net benefit. It doesn't trickle down. And so you had these two guys in there. Eddie Hall didn't, did not look like he had trained. Didn't look like he had trained. Didn't, know, didn't look like he understood how to box someone taller than him. And even if you had taught him, his body shape is so ill-suited to boxing, there's nothing he could do. He's essentially just a walking heavy bag. Now, to give Thor's credit, and, you know, Thor did train with the cretinous Billy Nelson. And so I guess Billy's got some value. And Billy kept it simple. Told Ford, just throw one-twos. You're going to catch him at some point. Didn't even tell him to load up. Just said, throw it. You're big enough and heavy enough to knock him out. And it was humiliating seeing all 142 kilograms of Eddie Hall just being knocked about. And he didn't have a clue. Could barely get up. Just, it was embarrassing for the sport. And the sad thing is that no one in the sport criticizes it. Because they're hoping that they can get a few quid for training one of these guys. They can get their name in lights. They can get in the limelight. They can get that spotlight. And you're like, please stop. I don't know when this will end. I hope it does at some point. Because it's, it's telling people, oh, anyone can be a boxer. There was a white collar show at the Troxy in London on Saturday. And I saw people Instagram me talking about how you know they had a real fight. And you're like, oh, God. God, oh. That's not a real fight. Because it's scalable. Powerlifting is kind of scalable, but it's not scalable because there are qualifying standards. World's strongest man is not scalable because you have to pull the truck. You know, if you have to carry the yoke, the yoke is of a defined weight. And if you can't carry that weight, they don't take it off for you. That's why we respect the world's strongest man. That's why we respect. All of those sports, like, I can't go on stage the size I am right now, the shape I'm in right now and say, ah, oh, I'm a bodybuilder. Let me go on the Olympia stage. It's disrespectful. The guys will probably try and fill me in. Whereas in boxing, we just accept it. We just accept that we should be grateful that other people care about our sport. No, we shouldn't. You know, Thor Eddie Hall was embarrassing to watch it was horrible to watch that was worse than KSI and Logan Paul because you got the impression with KSI that he tried he tried to learn he invested some time Eddie Hall had 2 years 2 years he couldn't even throw a jab after 2 years how embarrassing I would have sparked both of those guys out. Like, no. And I, I would have done it just for them being disrespectful to the sport. You know, show, showing up the way they did. You know what I mean? These are lifelong steroid users. And we're just allowing them to come into the sport and box. And there's no drama about that. Why? Because it's Dubai. It's the Middle East. You know what I mean? We're just about the big attractions. We're about this. Oh, God. At some point, this Dubai experiment will end. And we'll look back on this period as a, a black mark in boxing. Um, for any number of reasons that you can you me, you can fill in the gaps if you want, but we will look back on this period of boxing and go it wasn't good. We may never recover from this actually, because i 'll be intrigued to know and just, uh, just on a side note i 'll be intrigued to know how many tickets were sold for the Goodwin Show on Saturday, because in none of the video clips that I saw did it ever look for and i don 't say that with any joy, any pride, I say that with real concern. Because if I'm Steve and I'm looking at, I'm looking at the numbers. I'm like, is the small hall thing dead now? Has the pandemic killed off small hall boxing? Have these gimmick fights killed off small hall boxing? So now we don't, we don't have a chance to, to build a platform for young Zoe Hunt Smith, who had a spectacular win on Saturday night. We don't have a chance to build a platform for young Connor Hines, who had a really good win against Robbie Chapman, who's a guy that everyone should get behind. So find Robbie Chapman on Instagram. I think he's called the Camden Caretaker. Such a lovely man. Um, that fight was, they, those sorts of fights are hard for me because I trained Conor Hines in his amateur days, and I genuinely wish I'd, I'd had him two years before because he'd have wiped everyone out. If, if they'd given me more time with Conor, would have wiped everyone out, and he'd be an absolute savage now. You know, Sometimes boxing's about being at the right place at the right time. Robbie, I see most Tuesdays and Thursdays. Either he's starting his training or I'm starting my training. And he's such a lovely guy. Friendly, you know, engaging. Can really fight. Can he you know he got some hands on him? And if he was to become the A side, I'm a thousand percent confident he could he could fight for an English, if not fight for a British. He's got the right skill set. He's just never never had that backing. So now he's decided to go on the road. And kudos to him think he's a great human being he's one of those really nice guys always nice to to be around good people like that in boxing so i hope the goodwin movement can carry on simply because we need that sort of platform for some of these guys to learn their craft in the shadows but it doesn't look like it's going to bounce back quickly from from the pandemic and all all the chickens are coming home to roost you know, everyone thought if we just let these YouTubers in, we'll have more eyes on our sport. It'll work. You know, we'll be able to sell more tickets. What actually ended up happening was the YouTubers were able to sell more tickets. And what have they done? They have filled their card with YouTubers that have a sizable following. They've just completely X'd out boxing because they've said the boxes aren't economic enough here. All you guys can sell tickets. That's where we're at. They used boxing and they took it and they've made it their own thing. Like like I said before, wasn't KSI supposed to be bringing these sorts of things to Sky? Nope, they don't need Sky. It's lucrative enough without Sky. They make enough money without Sky. And boxing was just used. No royalty, no commission, no thank you, nothing. Boxing was just used. And there'll be another one. On the same night that Craig fights Boatsy, uh, John Pilato will be fighting Freezy, and they'll have their, their showdown. And when people say to me, how do you feel about JP getting involved in this? I say, I understand. There's a whole story behind it. But the truth is, John will earn more for that fight than he earned in any of his previous fights. So why would you come off that gravy train? You do four or five of those, and you're set. So why why trudge around on the small hall circuit, picking up 1,500 quid here and there? For what? For absolutely nothing. You know, waiting to see, waiting to see Frank Wall shine some patronage on you. Meh, nah, thanks, but no thanks. So I can understand why people do it. And don't be surprised if you see people deviate from the traditional boxing route and start jumping on this. Because there's real money to be made for some of these guys. It's not a joke. Yeah. Traditional promoters won't make it work because they don't get it. If you don't believe me, look at that show Frank put on at Wembley on Saturday. I think that was the first show since the YouTubers that took it over. Compare the atmospheres. Like a third full Wembley arena watching, I don't know, some guy from my box against some other guy. Who cares? I genuinely didn't care about anybody on that card. Because you haven't given me a reason to care. I don't hate them as people, no. But what's Sam Noakes fighting for? Who's the guy that Sam Noakes should be a rival? Who should Sam Noakes be looking to beat up? I don't want to have to dig too deep to find that out. It should be obvious. Where's David Avanessian going next? How's he headlining a show? He's, as much as we love David Avanessian, and we do, he's not an attraction in his own right. He's part of an attraction, like he can be a co feature But he can't anchor a show in the UK on his own. And definitely not in the current political climate. I believe he just set the guy up to fail. Like, Frank is, Frank's losing it. You got Dubois, you got Yard, you got this. Work him, work your assets. Get these guys out, get them more active. I don't see why it takes so long for us to see a guy like Yard or to see a guy like Dubois. It's not like they're Mayweather. And you're just giving us this ham-fisted, like, it's just, it's just filth, really, isn't it? No idea who advises Frank. No idea who sits in a room with Frank when he's planning these cards and says, you know what, Frank, <laughs> like, we need to do better. From what I understand, it's just people just literally bowing and scraping at Frank's feet going, please, please give me your patronage. I don't have time for that. So, like, I have no interest in any Frank show until they make it interesting for me. That's just me being honest. You know, as much as it's nice to see some of the old bruisers and the granddads and all of this and the, the old tracksuit brigade, it's quite, you know, you say hello to them. But I don't have to pay for that because they don't pay. So now Frank has to do better. Really does. Because I don't... It That looks like a sinking ship. And with this whole Discovery thing is done, people start asking some tough questions and saying, well, when are you going to start giving us your assets? Because you're literally sat on Dubois, Joyce, and Yard. Put Callum Johnson in there as well. You're sat on assets that you're not maximizing. You're giving us Zach Parker. We don't care about Zach Parker. No, no, no. Please, no one tweet me telling me they care about Zach Parker. I don't care about Zach. and I don't care about what you think about Zach. I mean... That Frank Warren stable's a mess. Yeah, it's a mess. He's just collected loads of guys that his mates said were good and they don't know what to do with them. Nah, not for me. And I want to contrast that with Sky, which is for me. And it puts a smile on my face because you get Dan Aziz versus Matthew Tinker. It's a fight that means something to some people, right? Is it going to mean a lot to the wider boxing community? No, but you're going to see a good fight because Matthew Tinker, for a light heavyweight who's a southpaw, might have the best jab in the division. In fact, he might have the best jab in the division full stop. Matthew Tinker's issue is he gets sucked into a fight and he will get sucked in against Dan Aziz and Dan will love that. That's what Dan loves. So you're going to get a good tear up there. Dion Juma versus Richard Riakpaw, is going to be, can Richard solve the problem? Can he solve the puzzle that is Dion Juma? This will be Angel Fernandez's first real test as a trainer. Because it will offer clues into how Josh is going to fight Usyk, right? So we're going to see what happens there. Because it's got, yeah you know, has Dion Juma got echoes of Chris Bird a little bit? So it'll be, yeah, I think I'll be fascinated to see how that goes. Jamie Shakiva makes his debut. Fantastic. Uh, Caroline Dubois. So Sky giving us that card that Frank should have given us. I know exactly who I'm getting behind. You've got Adam Azim versus Conor Marsden. That fight makes good sense. If you're not going to be at this show, watch Adam Azim versus Conor Marsden. Here's why. Conor Marsden's one, and he's, a, he's by definition a lightweight. He might be fighting at light welter, but he's a lightweight. And he's got that, that real leverage when he punches, man. He's, you know, like a white Tommy Hearns. So that would be a good fight. as Well, Is these are all fights that are compelling. Maybe you need someone like me to explain why they're compelling. But when you sit down on Saturday night and watch that card on Sky, you'll go, yeah. Terry was right. This is a card of really, really good fights. So I'm... I'm looking forward to that. I hope you guys are too because, you know, that Frank show last weekend was, was terrible. The only thing I loved about it was it meant that Eddie Lamb had done San Diego March 5th, Nottingham March 12th, London March 19th. How many trainers are grinding that hard right now? Putting in those kinds of miles. How many? Maybe Ben Davison in terms of miles covered, but no one else. That level of enthusiasm is what separates real trainers from these Instagram guys. So kudos to Eddie for doing that because he didn't even look like he had the jet lag. Just unfazed and unaffected. So you know, kudos to him. In terms of Saturday, make sure you're locked in for that boxer show because there's going to be a lot of interesting stories emerging. This is These are the green shoots of the future of British boxing. So listen to it. Tweet hard. You know, let's make it engaging, let's make it interesting and you know, this is what we enjoy in boxing when we get that, that small sprinkling of hope that there might be a better future ahead of us, and on that note guys I'm going to sign out because I think my left leg is seizing up now, but I will be back as soon as I can and you take care bye Yo okay, K, I've been feeling them new songs, it's been too long Got proper vision, I'm getting my Tony Cruz on Don't give a fuck what you're lifting, i still be too strong Every rapper stated the best, so tell me who's wrong Cause I ain't playing bro, I mean it when I say that I come from the city, a king ain't double and laid like Find someone better, that's some needle in a haste. Like I got legendary status, I've been doing it for way back To be honest, they should be paying homage, they all owe me If money's involved, I'm on it, you already know me That's why I'm on the road, while my Girl girl's saying she's, saying she's lonely I don't spend enough time, so I went and bought her a rollie Been watching the game all I see is these phonies Talking like they got beef, they just talking baloney From SP, watch how you address me Things will get messy Shots are like you diving like a goalie Couldn't try out the game without this No tweets, no talk, no announcements